the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What is a person profit if they were to gain everything that they want, but they forfeit or lose their own soul? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. going to be in Exodus chapter 19, and I've entitled this message, Treasure. You know, I think we all have things in life that we treasure, right? We all have things. A treasure could be defined as anything that's considered valuable to us personally. Uh, Yes, it could be, you know, money or something that we long for, yet it could also be anything that we just simply cherish. You might have a collection of some type that's a treasure to you. And though it might not be worth a lot of money monetarily, it could be valuable just to you personally. Uh, I was in a bank one day uh, about 30 years ago, and they had a stack of uncirculated brand new $2 bills. You know, it's like a stack of 50. So I go, hey, can I buy that? All the numbers were all, you know, consecutive order. And I, and they said, yeah. And, I, and so it's like a hundred bucks. Okay. So uh, that was 100 bucks, like 30 years ago. And how much is that stack of $2 bills worth today? 100 bucks. <laughs> it's like, it's, except here's the difference. Like for someone that doesn't understand inflation, back when I bought those, gas was like a buck a gallon. So I could have bought 100 gallons of gasoline for that 100 bucks. Now I can buy like 13 gallons of gas for that same hundred bucks, okay? But anyway, uh, yeah, so it's all in the eyes of the beholder, you could say. So, you know, what some people view as valuable might not be to somebody else. Like there's people that collect Barbie dolls. They have them in their original boxes and they have tons of their accessories and clothes all in the original packages, never opened. And they have great value to a collector. But to me, it's just another Barbie doll. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't put any wind into my cells. But of course, if you'd ask me, what I find great value in is like maybe a 1968 Shelby Mustang that's red with white stripes with a 427 with dual quads on it. Okay, the KR, the GT500 KR, the king of the road. Okay, now that is something worth finding treasure in. Okay, <laughs> that's just for me. But some, you know, would like to win the lottery. Then you say, well, I could buy all kinds of treasure in different areas, you know, or mother, others might say going on American Idol or dancing with the stars or something and winning, that would be a great treasure to you. I guess it all depends on where you're at in life. And if you were to ask a five-year-old, they might say, chocolate is my greatest treasure. Although if you ask my wife that, she might say that too. I don't know. But in all seriousness, we all have different ideas of what true treasure might be. But let's see here today what our Lord's definition 
of treasure is. Jesus used an analogy of treasure when he was talking about heaven in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he hid. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Now, the simple meaning to this parable, and of course, a parable is a heaven, it's an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. So the, the simple meaning of this parable is finding the way to heaven would be like finding buried treasure in a field out in Lancaster, okay? And you sold all that you knew that you had to go buy this field out in Lancaster. And you sold everything you had to purchase it, and then you'd be the rightful owner of everything in the field. But there's a deeper meaning, and we will come to that a little bit later in our, stu- in our study here. But one thing for sure, the most treasured object a man or a woman could ever obtain in this life is to accept Jesus Christ in their heart as their Savior. Because if we were to find great wealth in this world, if we were to find fame, if we were to find popularity, you know, and then we die and that's all we had, and we didn't have salvation, that, of course, would echo what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26. He says, For what will a man or a woman profit if they were to gain the whole world and yet forfeit or lose their own soul? Or what would a man or woman give in exchange for their soul? So he's just asking you a question. Like, will you treasure things? You dream of treasuring things, but what if you were to obtain those things, but yet you you didn't have salvation? What does a person profit if they were to gain everything that they want, but they forfeit or lose their own soul. You know, I've done a tremendous amount of funerals in my life. And, you know, I've done funerals for the very poor and done funerals for the very rich. And I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. You can't take anything with you. Nothing here on this earth, whatever you collect, whatever is your treasure on earth, you can't take it with you. Think about all the pharaohs in Egypt. Think about King Tut. They were all buried in huge tombs filled with gold. The whole point was what? It's like, hey, fill all this tomb with gold so when I get to the next life, I'll have all this money, all this wealth with me. And then here we are thousands of years later, and what? We have found all these tombs. And guess what? All the gold is still there. They didn't get to spend any of it. Why? Because after we die, we stand before God, whether you believe it or not. It doesn't matter. You're going to stand before God. And the treasures of this life are worthless in the next life. Unless, of course, your treasure is the Lord. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroys, but where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that is where your heart is also. So he's like, listen, there's nothing wrong. Understand, there's nothing wrong with owning nice things. There's nothing wrong with having a collection that you deem as very valuable to yourself. There's nothing wrong with having value in these things. But if that person, place, or thing has consumed your heart to the point that it is more important than your relationship with God, then something is completely out of order. So 
let me ask you here this morning, where is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. And if our heart is out of order with the Lord, then when we stand before God, we will stand empty-handed before him. Again, everyone is going to stand before God one day. In all of our earthly possessions, the things that we treasured on this side of heaven will stay on this side of heaven. We don't get to take anything with us. And as Jesus said, moth and rust will destroy them all. Yet on the other hand, if as a believer, our priorities are based on the eternal and we're making more investments in the kingdom of God, then we have a balance. See, people will say, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to you know, give money to the Lord. Yet according to the God of the universe, he says we can't afford not to tithe. I think about all the people that were investing in churches and in ministries when I first came to know the Lord as my Savior. I remember I was driving in a 1968 red GT350 Shelby Mustang. This is why I still covet that because I sold that car for $4,000. What was wrong with me? It's worth like 150 grand now. But anyway, but I was cruising up the 57 freeway in a GT350, you know, Shelby Mustang, and I'm listening to the radio, and I had just become a Christian about, I don't know, like a week, maybe two weeks before this. And so I'm driving, and it only had an AM radio, and so I'm flipping channels, and all of a sudden, there's this okie on there. Oh, how you doing, people? Turn in your Bible. And I'm like, who the heck is this Oki, what the heck is he doing on the radio here in Southern California? So I was mocking him. I was laughing at this guy like, who would ever listen to this guy? So I'm la- I only left it there to laugh at him for about the first three minutes. And then I started listening to him. It was Jay Vernon McGee. <laughs> and I'm listening to him on the radio. And I listened to him like, oh my goodness, he had this program that is still on the radio today. And it's called the Bible bus. And he would literally go through the entire Bible in five years. So from that day, I went on the Bible bus with J. Vernon McGee for 20 years. I did four times through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee every single day. I rarely missed a day. And I'm thinking, you know, you know, because I didn't have any background in the church. I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't know anything about anything. And he broke it down so simply. One of the things that J. Vernon McGee used to say is, if you're teaching the Bible, make sure you simplify it. And when you simplify it, simplify it again, you know. And, and that's what I needed as I became a new believer. And so I listened to him every single day. And I, I think now like, wow, praise God for the people that invested in that program because it really had a huge effect on me. And guess what? He's been dead for like 35 years now. And J. Vernon McGee is still on the radio. And by the way, when I'm driving into the church on Sunday morning, I listen to him on KK on the Sunday morning because it's not his regular Bible bus program. It's his teachings from Sunday mornings. And I listen to him every Sunday morning. And so there was people that invested in that ministry, just like people invest in 
Core Church Los Angeles. You bring your tithes and your offerings in here, and we're on the radio, you know, here seven days a week in Southern California. You know, we're on 19 stations back east, and, you know, you invest in this ministry, you're making an investment in the kingdom of God, which is going to go into heaven for eternity. Yes, in the midst of us enjoying life, going out to eat, getting away on vacations, buying a new car. There's nothing wrong with these things. We need to make sure, though, that our first priority is always the Lord and his work, and that our hearts are always, amen, and that our hearts are always ready and willing to be used for him. Yes, when we serve the Lord, we build up treasure in heaven, where Jesus said, moth and rust cannot destroy. Now, some of you might be wondering, well, what are some of the ways of building up treasure in heaven? Well, it's doing whatever God wants you to do. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 18, and it says, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works and to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves treasure of a good foundation for the future. See, it's like whatever we do for the Lord, that's treasure in heaven. All your treasure here stays here when you die. But this treasure, it all goes into his presence. Yes, when we become the vessels of honor that God has called us to be, when we deny our plans and our purposes while allowing ourselves to be lights to shine in this dark world, and it's dark and it's getting darker. We're living in crazy times right now and it's only going to get worse. But that's when we store up treasures in heaven, when we shine the bright light of the glory of God. Know this, when we invest our earthly resources in this life, whether it's a 401k or the stock market, or you just put it in the bank in your savings account, we do it to make money, right? It's an investment. We want to see a return on our earthly investment. Yet, by living our lives in a manner that God has called us to live, that is is an eternal investment. Every time we do good, every time that we allow people to see the love of Christ through our actions, every time that we share of the glorious Savior, Jesus Christ, and clarify as a voice of reason what truth really is, that is an eternal investment in your account in heaven, including all acts of our stewardship, our finances, and our personal time, our demeanor in dealing with those that are around us. It's how we open and be open to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit in those lives around us. Yes, when we truly become doers of the word and not just hearers of the word, that's when one day we will stand before the Lord and he will reward us according to what we have done on this side of heaven. And for those who have obeyed him, there will be great treasure for you to enjoy for all eternity. Now, I have to admit, when I'm doing these things, I'm not thinking of any of those things. Like, well, you know, geez, if I share with this guy right now, I could be putting a little bit of treasure in heaven. No, I don't even think about that anymore. In fact, you can have my treasure in heaven because I, I really don't care. I just want to get to heaven. I just want to be with Jesus. So it doesn't matter to me. So I don't do it because of, but it's like, but the Lord does equate everything we do for him as treasure in heaven. And you're going to be living there for, well, millions of years one day. When we get to heaven, it'll be life without end. And if you have no investment going in, then you're going to have nothing there, no treasure whatsoever uh, to go on for the rest of your eternity. 
But with all of that said, as we continue in our study through the book of Exodus, we're going to consider today what God treasures. We've been talking about the things that we treasure. What does our Father in heaven treasure? So let's look at our point, God's treasure. As we read together, we finished up chapter 18 last time, so we're in Exodus chapter 19, picking up in verse 1. It says, And in the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. And when they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness, and there Israel camped in front of the mountain. This, of course, is the mountain where Moses met God in the burning bush and what have you. So, verse 3, Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on the eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Okay, we'll stop there for a moment. Now, the mountain, again, at the end of verse 2, is referring to, of course, the mountain of God, This, of course, is where Moses first encountered God in the burning bush. It's called, in some places, Mount Horeb, another place, Mount Sinai, or simply the mountain of God. Now, the people are led there by the Spirit of God, for God had a purpose in bringing them there. Notice how God reminds Moses in verse 4 of what he's seen and what God has done as he stands in the very place where God had first called him. Now, as you remember, if you go back multiple studies, that's where Moses told God, I I don't want to go. You know, can you send somebody else? I got a stuttering problem. I'm not a good speaker. You know, you got the wrong guy here, God. Go get somebody else. Well, obviously, here we are fast forward. And it's like, well, no, guess what, Moses? You went and look what's happened. You got... Uh, three million plus people down there that God delivered doing everything that he said he was going to do. So here we are now, fast forward, you know, look at the faithfulness of God. I wonder how many of you thought that when you first gave your life to Jesus, you didn't think it was going to work out for you. I know I was like, you know, like, it's not going to work for me. I've messed up too many times. I have failed beyond measure in my life. Yet here we are today, Bible in hand, our sins forgiven with our names written in a book of life with the hope of heaven in front of us. All to the glory of our God. Amen? And here we are. Amen. You know? And so, yes, if we allow God to change our life, that's exactly what he will do. He will change our life. And because our life is changed, we have a testimony. We have a testimony to this world that's around us that there is a God in heaven. Yes, God has chosen in his infinite wisdom to not only save us, but to use us. God wants to use every one of us. You might think, no, God can never use me. Enough of that already. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. You come to know Christ, he wants to use you. 
He wants to use all of us. We're flawed and we're a sinful people, but yet we found hope in Christ, in the one who made everything. Yes, God's love is a love that cannot be compared to any other love. Why? Because he sees everything. He sees us and yet he still loves us. I mean, think about it. There's nothing that has ever happened in our life under the sun, nothing that we've ever thought in our mind that he hasn't already seen. Every little detail, he has seen it all. Every lie, every bad attitude, every time we cheat or curse, even when it's only in our mind, he has seen it all. I mean, when we're dating, I mean, are we not on best behavior? It's like, oh, I love him. He's like a Prince Charming. He gives me goosebumps all the way down my body. And then you're, you're married for two years. It's like, I hate the scoundrel. Look at that. I mean, my, my Prince Charming turned into a toad. You know, like, what happened to you? You know, it's like, it's because now you see all the flaws that were always there. Okay. The flaws were already there. But now you see them clearly, okay? And it's like, you know, all all of a sudden your dream boat, you know, is no longer the dream boat. All of a sudden your little princess, her foot doesn't fit into the glass slipper anymore, okay? It's like all of a sudden, like, hey, how come your feet grew so much? You know, it's like, so the point is, it's like God loves us when he sees who we really are. See, that's what true love is. Because many people will say, love is a feeling. I felt it inside, you know? And it's like, uh, no, love, true love is not a feeling, it's a commitment. That's what true love is. Love is commitment. Love is saying, I'm gonna love you in spite of you. And the marriages that go the distance are the ones that say, yes, I love them in spite of them. Because that's the point that you have to get at. And that's how God loves us from the very beginning. I love you in spite of you. Yes, we're guilty before God. Yet again, somehow, some way, God loves us with an everlasting love. Again, this is a love that's beyond measure. It's beyond our own comprehension, really. Notice verse 5. It says in a New American Standard, God says, you are my possession. If you have a King James Bible, it says, it's translated, you are a special treasure to me. So, what translation is true? Well, actually, both are true because the Hebrew word is a complex word there, and you can't just define it in one English word. So really, that word in the Hebrew really means that we are a special treasured possession of God. That's what the word means. So it's not this translation or that translation. It's both. We are a special treasured possession of God. We are his and no one else's. We are special to God. Understand, the people of God were slaves. They were owned by the Egyptians. They had no freedom. They were subject to whatever happened with the Egyptians wanted them to do. You know, they were serving these, these heathens that, that served numerous other so-called gods, which there is, they weren't gods at all, but you know, they served them as if they were. Yet now, the living God, the only God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who destroyed Egypt in front of their very eyes, you know, and all of their so-called gods, says, you are mine. You are a special treasured possession of mine. Wow. All the earth is mine, but you are mine. He said in verse 6 that they are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation to God, and a jewel of great value to him. I asked you earlier, where is your treasure? And here we see God's treasure. 
It's you and me. All we have to do to see God's treasure is go look in the mirror. We don't deserve it, but yet that's what we are. See, with God, we don't need to be expensively dressed. We don't have to have a high IQ. We don't need to be of a certain race of people. We don't have to be born on a certain side of the tracks. For all of us, men and women, Jew and Gentile, we are equal in the eyes of God. For God loves us. But why? Why does he love us? Because he has chosen to love us. He has made a decision to love us. In his infinite mercy, he has just said, I choose to love you, even though we don't deserve it. I mean, how cool is that? You don't have to get up for it. You don't have to earn his love. You don't have to get up. Oh, I wasn't a very good girl yesterday. I, I need to go do this today. It's like, no, 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 no. God loves you. Yeah, but I wasn't so good today. He still loves you. But it doesn't matter. But this is only to those who are Christians. Now, if you're not a Christian, oh, no. Oh, you're you're in line for judgment. And it's going to be rough for you. But for the believer, when you're having a good day, God loves you. When you're having a bad day, he still loves you. He doesn't want you to keep walking in the bad day. He wants you to repent. Amen. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.